How's your weekend so far? Yeah, has it been a busy weekend where you have to do a whole lot of stuff, or has it been kind of a mellow, relaxing weekend? I know a few people who say it, like when I see them, I say, how's your weekend? Like, I did absolutely nothing. Perhaps that's you, and I envy you just a little bit, but I think for a lot of us, on the weekends, there's a lot of stuff that we have to do. And perhaps in this moment, while I'm telling you that, you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to do that thing that I said I was going to do. I told her I intended on getting it done before the weekend, but now it's not done. And right now, you might even be getting one of those elbows in the rib about it, you know? And even if you did have one of those marvelous, relaxing weekends, guess what tomorrow is? It's Monday, and then it's back to the grind, and then we got to grind, we got to do stuff, and, and I think our lives are so, can be so preoccupied with all this stuff that we have to do all the time. We're always doing something. There's the next thing. And before we even accomplish this thing, we have to start thinking about the next thing. And that's the zone that we live in. And it feels like busyness is the norm, right? And then peace then comes occasionally, is the exception. And I don't think God intends for us to live that way. I think God intends for us to live a different way. And so if you walked in here this morning with worries about what you have to get accomplished because there's things to do and those worries can sometimes lead to anxiety and that anxiety can then sometimes live in fear and now all you do is live in fear. I want you to hear this morning that is not the way that God wants me and you to live. And that's the hymn that we're going to talk about. That's the truth that this hymn that we're going to talk about this morning calls us to. The hymn is called Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And it talks about this truth that the presence of God is around us always. We just have to turn our eyes to it. So again, if you're just now joining us for this series, we take a hymn each week and we look at what the hymn says about us, what it says about God, and we glean that truth from it. But we also look at the origin of the hymn, how we got the hymn, how it became such an important part of our Christian faith. So before we get started, let's just look at the words of this hymn. There's actually several verses, but it's known most for justice chorus. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Here are the words. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. So this hymn came to us through actually two very extraordinary women. Uh, one was named Helen Lamel, and the other was Lilius Trotter. Helen Lamel wrote the melody and wrote the song and did all that stuff. And Helen Lamel, or excuse me, Lilius Trotter wrote a spiritual reflection that Helen Lamel got her hands on, and it inspired her to write the hymn. So let's first talk about the songwriter Helen Lamel. She was born in England in the 1860s, where she lived in England until she was about 12, and then she came to the U.S. and actually lived here in Wisconsin for a time. And at a very young age, she developed a fabulous voice and continued to develop that voice. And early in the 1900s, she traveled the country performing concerts. So if you've ever seen the show, The Greatest Showman, you know that Hugh Jackman show? You know, The Never Enough Lady? That's kind of like what Helen Lamel was like. So she eventually traveled to Germany to further develop her voice. And that's where she met and fell in love with her husband. And then they came back to the U.S. and she continued performing concerts. But somewhere along the line, Helen Lamel learned that she uh, uh, got a condition that would eventually lead to her vision deteriorating to the point where she would go completely blind. So she told her husband this, 
And he couldn't stand the idea or the thought of being married to a blind woman, and so he abandoned her. And so Helen Lamel continued to faithfully serve the Lord, writing hymns. And it was sometime after her husband left her, before I think she went totally blind, that she came across the spiritual reflection that inspired her to write this hymn that we are going to talk about today. In the spiritual reflection, it reminded her that there is a grace and a power and a love in the presence of God, and that love and grace and power is available to her no matter what life throws at her. And that spiritual reflection was entitled Focused, and it was written by Lilius Trotter, the other extraordinary woman who has a hand in this uh, hymn that we're going to sing. So Lilius Trotter was also born in England, uh, where she grew up, and at a very young age, she developed a fabulous skill for art, particularly for painting and, and watercolors. And her, uh, her skill was, was so uh, keen, was so good, that a, um, uh, she was discovered, and an individual told her that she would be the greatest living artist and go on to do things that were immortal if she would dedicate herself completely to art, which she started to do. And she started to become well-known, and her paintings are fabulous. But she continued to feel this burden in her heart for people who didn't know the Lord, and particularly the poor. And so she left the notoriety and the fame of being a well-accomplished artist and traveled to North Africa to serve as a missionary. And uh, she used her skill for painting to spread the message of Jesus to people who spoke a different language than her. So these two women, Helen Lamel and Lilius Trotter, have their stories forever intertwined in the hymn that we're going to talk about today. And it all started with a dead dandelion. So let me, let me explain. One morning, Lilius Trotter, was, uh, she was home visiting family from uh, North Africa, where she was a missionary, and Lilius Trotter went for a walk in the wood. And as she was going on this walk, she comes across this half-dead dandelion on which a sunbeam was shining, and it stopped her in her tracks. Her attention was drawn to it, and this is what she says. It was just a dandelion, half-withered, but it was full face to the sun, and it had caught into its heart all of the glory it could hold. Okay, and, and that's part of this uh, spiritual reflection that she gave to Helen Lamel, who then wrote the hymn. But in this reflection, Lilius Trotter goes on to beautifully write about how this flower basked in sunlight represents how you and I can be fully saturated in the love and the grace and the presence and the power of God if we would only turn our faces toward him. She writes that there are so many good things in life that rob us of the greatest thing, which is Jesus Christ himself. And the world is so full of distractions and hurriedness and busyness and things to do that it can usher in worry and doubt and fear into our souls. And so we ought to, like the dandelion, turn our full faces toward Jesus Christ, toward the light of the world, and bask in that light. And then she concludes her spiritual reflection with these words. Turn full your soul's vision to Jesus and look at him, and a strange dimness will come over all that is apart from him. She got all of that from a half-dead dandelion. A dandelion. A half-dead dandelion. I didn't know that when I picked this hymn to talk about. Other hymns, like How Great Thou Art, were inspired by cool and powerful things like thunder and lightning 
Those surround the throne of God. Dandelions don't surround the throne of God. Who cares about dandelions? When I see a dandelion, anytime I see a dandelion, I'm not immediately drawn into spiritual truths it might be telling me at all. I'm actually more concerned about where it plans to drop all those fuzzy things. And it better be my neighbor's yard and not my yard. So the, the first yard that I ever had to tend to, like mow and do all that stuff, was sandwiched between these two guys. On my right, there was a, a retired guy who, you know, he mowed his lawn three times a week, fertilized it. His lawn looked like a putting green, not an exaggeration. It 100% did. And then to my left, there was another guy, and his yard looked like a dandelion graveyard. And then I'm in the middle, downwind from dandelion graveyard guy's house. And so when, you know, the dandelions completed their life cycle, they would launch their little plumage that would drift into my yard, germinate, and then turn into dandelions. And so putting green guy would come over to me and, and say, hey, Jake, you got some weeds growing near the property line. Are you going to pluck those? Are you going to take care of those? And I didn't say, well, hold on. Let's see what they're going to capture in their heart first. <laughs> I plucked them because who cares about dandelions, Right. How can a half-dead dandelion inspire such beautiful words? Lilius Trotter must know something that I don't know. And to be honest, I kind of want a faith like hers. I want a faith like hers that draws me into the presence and the truth of God over the most inconsequential things. I want a faith like that. So where does faith like that come from? Well, perhaps... She took the words of Jesus seriously when Jesus told us to see the flowers of the field. See, in one of Jesus' famous sermons, it's called the Sermon on the Mountainside, he's preaching to a whole bunch of people about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is like and how we can participate in and be a part of that kingdom. And then Jesus gets to this section about worry, okay? Now I'm going to read that to you. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor and they don't spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For pagans run after these things. But you have a heavenly father that knows you need them. So seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things, they'll be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus draws our attention to flowers, to the flowers of the field. And he doesn't simply tell us to only see them. The word there in Greek is a word, katamanthano, and that word means to thoroughly examine, to pay attention to, and to take a careful note of. 
So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to katamanthano. We are going to thoroughly examine the flowers using the words of this hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. So let's start with the first line. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sometimes that's all it takes, isn't it? To just turn our eyes on on Jesus, to just simply look away from the things that uh, uh, bring busyness and anxiety and stress into our lives. To turn away from those for a moment and turn our eyes to Jesus. It's Sounds easy, doesn't it? It's simple, right? But it's actually really hard. Just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy. Because there is so much for our eyes, our attention, our mind, our heart to be fixed on and concerned about and consumed with. So from the moment we wake up to the moment that we go to sleep, we are bombarded, aren't we, with stuff to do Deadlines to meet, resumes to turn in, Zoom calls to join, homework to complete, practices to get to, papers to file, people to call, errands to run, dogs to walk, laundry to fold, dandelions to pluck away from the property line. And then we have to go on a grocery run. And then we have to go on the grocery run again because the thing we went to the grocery store to get, we forgot about because our mind was occupied in all the other things. Schedules to keep, bills to pay, and we could go on and on and on, and there's always the next thing and then the next thing after that. And before we're even done with the first thing, we're on to the next thing, and Jesus Jesus is saying, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live in that zone. You're going to exhaust yourself if you live that way. Jesus even tells us to not even get to tomorrow yet because today has enough stuff to worry about. Well, that's not very encouraging, is it? A French monk once said that there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Brother Lawrence said that. So then what do we do? How do we do that? Because the things that we have to do, the grocery runs we have to go on, we don't have the luxury necessarily of not doing those things. So then what do we do? We do them differently. So what if we lived in a way where we are in a constant conversation with God? Because if we believe that the the presence of God is with us always, which it is, And if the Holy Spirit literally lives inside of us, which the Holy Spirit does, and if there's a power in the presence of God, a grace and a power that surrounds us at all times, which there is, it does, and it's available to us, so why don't we turn our attention toward that? One of the other things that Lilius Trotter said in that that spiritual devotion that she wrote that Helen Lamell based this song off of, she said this, There is an ocean of grace and love. Hold on. There is an ocean, an ocean of grace and love and power lying all around us. An ocean to which all earthly light is but a drop. And it is ready to transfigure us as the sunshine transfigured the dandelion. And on the same condition that we stand full face to God. We often think that in order to stand full face to God, to be in the presence of God, we have to go away somewhere else, maybe to a quiet place, you know? And once we get there, we turn on some Hillsong United instrumental music. We light some candles, get the essential oils pumping, you know? And then in that quiet place with our heads bowed, focusing, that is when we will encounter the presence of God. And let me tell you, that totally works. We should do that. We should be in the habit of doing that. But do you know what else also works? Being in the presence of God in middle of all of the chaos, 
that works too. It does work to turn our attention toward the presence of God, which surrounds us at all times. So how? How can we live in that presence? How can we step into that presence to still our busy hearts, to calm our anxious minds, to lift the worry from our souls, and to remind us that there is a God who loves us and will provide for us? How do we live that way? Well, look for Jesus. It sounds simple. Look for Jesus. God isn't hiding from you. Jesus isn't out there somewhere, and you have to follow the clues and decode them in order to discover where God might be. Jesus is right here in this very moment, in every moment, right here, completely accessible and available to you and me because of his death and resurrection. His Holy Spirit is present always. So look for Jesus. He says that anyone who seeks him will find him in Jeremiah 29, 13. But here's the thing, though, because that sounds simple. Just look for Jesus. Here's the thing. The way you find Jesus may be surprising to you. The way that you find Jesus may be surprising to you. Sometimes we encounter the presence of God with thunder and lightning. But sometimes we encounter the presence of God when there's a half-wilted dandelion basked in a ray of sunshine. There was this prophet of God named Elijah, you know, one of, one of God's spokespeople. And Elijah was completely depleted, totally exhausted. He had been journeying for a long time. His soul was crushed. And in fact, he said to God, I'm not even sure if I want to be alive anymore. That is, that's the headspace that Elijah was in. He was, like I said, just empty, just totally spiritually empty. And so God said to Elijah, all right, dude, go up to this mountain, and I'll have a conversation with you. And so Elijah went up to the top of this mountain, and God said, all right, I'm going to speak to you, Elijah. And so there was this mighty wind that rushed through, and this wind was so strong, it was breaking the rocks around Elijah, but God was not in that wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, which rattled the ground around Elijah, and Elijah was waiting for God to show up, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then a ferocious fire swept before Elijah, and as Elijah Elijah watched, God was not in the fire. Then there was this, what Scripture calls a quiet whisper. That's where God was, in the quiet whisper. So I wonder, if you and I are so consumed by the busyness and the noise in our lives that we miss the whisper, and we wonder, God, where are you? Where are you? And God is whispering, I'm right here. And we wonder, perhaps, why God isn't listening to us. But I wonder if God wonders why we're not listening to him. I think maybe turning our eyes toward Jesus, a good place to start, is simply with the prayer, Lord, help me to see you today. Help me to notice you today. Because I think God would love to surprise you with how he might answer that prayer in your life. The next line of the hymn is look full into his wonderful face. To look full. I'm not a really good, you know, look fuller, right? I'm more of like a half looker, to be honest with you. So on a regular basis, my wife and I will have a conversation that goes a little something like this. Hey, Jake, would you please hand me the fingernail clippers? And I will say, sure, babe, where are they? And she'll say, they're in the junk drawer. No, they're not. And she'll say, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in there. I put them in there yesterday. Nope. And then she'll say, 
Uh, look to the left of the purple scissors on top of the deck of cards that we got on vacation four years ago. Pretty sure that's where they are. Uh-uh. And she'll say, but I put them in there yesterday. If you're looking, you know, if you reach the empty roll of scotch tape, you're looking too far back in the junk drawer. They're toward the front. Yeah, uh, no, they're not in here. And so Dana will get up, walk over, and she'll be like, Jake, they're right there. Oh, to the right of the purple scissors. You said left, not my fault, right? And I think that sometimes is how we look for God. We give God like a little glance from time to time, a half look. And, and we're called to look full into his wonderful face. This is what uh, Hebrews 12.2 says. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That phrase, fixing our eyes, is one word in the Greek, and it is the only place in all of Scripture that this word is used. It's afaraho, and it's comprised of two different root words, one meaning to turn away from, and the other meaning to fully embrace. So to look full and to, to fix our eyes on Jesus, we have to turn our attention away from something else in order to fully embrace God. Don't give God a half look. Give God a full look, and I am the absolute worst at this. There are times that my wife literally has to either stand in front of the TV, take my phone out of my hand, or say, look at me in my eyeballs, because I need to know the thing that I'm about to tell you, you are going to listen to. Have you, do, you, do you have somebody in your life that is that way? Jesus says the same to me all the time. I can feel it. I've been convicted of it. Jesus will say, okay, Jake, I need you to fix your eyes on me. I need you to turn away from it. Have you turned? Have you embraced? Because look, I'm going to tell you something. And Jesus will say something like this to me. Jake, you're not in control of your life. I know you think you're the God of your universe, but you're not. I am. I need you to fix your eyes on me because I know you think, Jake, that you are the source of joy and hope and peace and security in the lives of your wife and your kids and your whole family, but that's not your job. That is my job. Stop trying to do everything. And I know, Jake, this is Jesus speaking to my heart. I know, Jake, there's a lot that you have to accomplish still. There's things you got to do and stuff you have to do and places you got to go. And there's, you know, ministries that you have to lead. But listen, we will do that together and you will go when I lead you. Right now, I need you to fix your eyes on me. We'll do that stuff together. So what will you and I see when we turn our, our face to Jesus, when we look full into his beautiful face? We will see the one who says, I know you're worried about tomorrow, but I am the God of tomorrow. I'm already there. You can trust me. Fix your eyes on me. We see the one who says, I know what your needs are before you even know what your needs are. Fix your eyes on me. We see the one who says to us, you're my beloved, you're my child, you are my joy. I have you. No one can snatch you from my hand. I've got you. Fix your eyes on me. Look at the birds in the air. They're not stressed out. They don't worry because they know that I'm going to take care of them. Won't I all the more take care of you? Look at the flowers. They don't even work. They don't do anything. Aren't they beautiful? You're made in my image. Fix your eyes on me. You're worth more. And in these moments, when we finally turn away and look full into the beautiful face of Jesus, here's the next line. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. So there's something for me that is completely captivating about that phrase, strangely dim. And as I was thinking about this, I think the same was true for Helen Lamel, the writer of the song. Because she was writing this song as the world around her 
was quite literally going strangely dim as she was going blind. Yet she kept her eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. You know, Helen Lamel wrote over 500 hymns, and oftentimes she would call her friends over to her house in the middle of the night so they could write down the words that came to her in the night. And she just kept pumping. She kept following Jesus with her whole heart. And when people would ask Helen Lamel, how are you doing? You know, you're, you're living your life for the Lord, but your husband left you, you're going blind. How are you doing? She would answer, I'm doing fine in the things that count. What's strength, man? Where does strength like that come from? When I was in college, um, I was at the Getty Art Museum in Los Angeles. I w- it was uh, halfway through my freshman year, and I was considering transferring one school and going to a school in the L.A. area. So while I was at the Getty Art Museum, I was you know, totally consumed with my future and this decision that I was in the process of making, this potentially, you know, life-changing decision. So I wasn't in a very, like, I love museums type place, right? I was totally stressed out. But I knew that the Getty is world-renowned and the art they have in there is, is phenomenal. And so it was a constant battle for me to stay mentally present in the moment and to take in what the Getty had to offer. And so as I was walking around, I came across this painting that literally stopped me in my tracks. I will never forget it. It's a painting called The Temptation of St. Anthony. It depicts St. Anthony, who was a monk living near Egypt, and he was being tormented by evil spirits in the wilderness. Yet St. Anthony's gaze remains fixed on the word of God, which appears to be illuminating him. The contrast between he and the creatures is pretty stark. And at the museum, you could almost kind of barely see the creatures. But as you get close, their grotesque form begins to take shape. He doesn't even seem to notice them, though. There's this serene look on St. Anthony's face as if he is almost totally unaware that his tormentors are lurking just behind him. St. Anthony remains completely in the light of Jesus Christ just like that half-wilted dandelion, taking in all of the glory that he can hold. That's where Helen Lamel gets her strength from. It's from the presence of Jesus Christ. The last line of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus reads this, in the light of his glory and his grace. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who said, light shall shine out, of the darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's a light that surrounds us at all times, like an ocean of power and love and grace available to us at all times. And when Lilius Trotter went for a walk one morning and she saw that little flower in that little sunbeam, her first thought was, that's just like me. That flower is just like me. Standing there full face toward the sun, full face toward the love and glory and power of the presence of Jesus. That flower is just like me. I stand too in the presence of Jesus Christ. And you know now it's impossible for me to see a dandelion the same way that I did before. I was, to be honest with you, I was really annoyed by the origin story of this hymn. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it have been better if Lilius Trotter went for a walk in the woods and, I don't know, came across a bear or, you know, like a, a, a falcon, like a majestic falcon basking its wings in the sun? And then she wrote about that because those things are inspiring and majestic. No, it had to be a little dandelion, didn't it? Because sometimes the voice of God is a quiet whisper, which, again, I'm not very disciplined in paying attention to. I'm not very disciplined in paying attention toward 
the quiet whisper. So this week I tried. This week I actually put forth the effort, and this week I, I actually prayed the prayer that I'm encouraging you to pray, which is, Jesus, help me see you. Help me notice you. And so here's what happened. Dana and I were sitting on our patio at our, our townhouse. We have like this little deck with a little patio on it. We noticed this bird would come and perch itself on you know, the railing and then would fly away, and then come back and perch and then fly away, then come back. And I said, okay, Jesus, you tell me to look at the birds of the air. I'm looking. What you got for me? You know? And then we noticed that the bird flew under the railing and then came back. So we looked, and we're like, oh, okay. So this bird had built a nest under our deck. And so I peeked through the floorboards, and this is what I saw. See those? I learned a moment ago that those are purple finches. And Dana, of course, melted, because look at how the fuzzy cuteness, right? She's like, oh, my gosh, look how cute they are. Three little birds is what she said. Three little birds. And I thought, huh, three little birds. That's a Bob Marley song. <laughs> What's the words to that song again? Don't worry about a thing. Sing it if you know it, because every little thing is going to be all right. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that song has such a Matthew chapter 6 vibe to it. And Jesus, in that moment, I'm not kidding, spoke to my heart and said, you see these three little birds? Everything's going to be all right for them. I take care of the birds. I take care of you, Jake. Those three little birds should remind you that I am your heavenly father, that I know your needs before you do, that my presence surrounds you at all times. It is always there. You just need to step into it from time to time. You need to look for me. You're going to find me. You need to step into my presence. I'm there. I am whispering to you. I'm here. I got you. I love you. I'm never going to let you go. So I almost didn't tell you about the dandelion because the story of these two women are remarkable. Are you kidding me? Their faith, their faithfulness, what they did for the kingdom and what they did for us, like their stories are absolutely phenomenal. The accolades they received, the stuff that they accomplished in their lives, they ought to be celebrated. They're heroes of our faith, for sure. But what they did did not make them who they are. And they knew that. They knew that who they are came from to whom they belong, which is Jesus Christ. They're made in his image. They are his children. They are his daughters. And he loves them. And there's nothing that they could have done to ever change that. And the exact same is true from you or for you. We have value because not of what we've done, but because we are known by the king of the universe who made us in his image. And all we have to do is just stand in that and drink that in and soak that in because it's true and it's available to us. Ephesians 2.13 says this, but now in Jesus Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have been brought near. God is near. God is now in this moment, in any moment, in any moment of need. God is here. This is the light of the glory of his grace that we sing about, that Jesus sacrificed his life so that we can be brought near into his presence through him. God is in constant pursuit of us, always. He's near, he's close, he's accessible. His love and grace and presence surround us at all times. First Peter 5, 7 then says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so now 
dandelions will forever remind me to turn my eyes to Jesus. And I hope that will be true for you after today. That every time you see a dandelion, which in Wisconsin is no less than one billion times per day, you will be reminded that there is a grace and a strength and a presence of the Holy Spirit that surrounds you always. We just have to turn our eyes to it and soak it in and capture all of its fullness in our heart too. Whatever moment you're in, whether that's stress or anxiety or fear or shame or regret, whatever moment, any moment, it is always available to you through Jesus Christ who bought you with his own life. 